This morning's scripture reading comes from 1 Timothy 6, verses 12 through 14. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who will testify before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord for us. When viral footage emerged of an Olympian who was being slapped and shaken by her coach. Maybe you saw this. Maybe you've been following Olympic headlines. It was a German judo star named Martina Trajdas. The world has been shocked to see this, this just before her match, her coach grabbing her and shaking her and slapping her on the face just before she entered the ring. The 32-year-old judo star defended her coach. She took to Instagram and she said, this is just her pre-fight ritual. So I'll quote her saying, don't worry, guys. That's the ritual which I chose before fights. My coach is just doing what I want him to do to fire me up. So whether you like her choice or not, sort of uh, offended people and kind of went in the face of our cultural sensibilities to see, to see that kind of violence, a man smacking a woman. What was happening there was she was getting ready for her competition. In fact, she joked afterward, I think he should have slapped me harder because she ended up losing, <laughs> she ended up losing the match. So what we have in the scripture is kind of a, a pregame pep talk, maybe even a slap in the face. And it happens here uh, in the passage that Steph read for us, really, the, I, I should say, the books of First and Second Timothy, where, where the Apostle Paul is writing to this young pastor, this Timothy, and he gives him the pep talk. Now, maybe you remember, maybe you were here at MCA when we did a study of the book of First Timothy. Uh, I looked it up in my records. It was about a year and a half ago. We did a five-week study in the book of First Timothy that was called, the sermon series was called, The Good Fight. And the whole thing we said was kind of like this pregame speech. It was kind of like this, let's, let's get you uh, pepped up and ready to go. Like a go get them tiger. Like a you can do it. Don't back down. Like in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12 where he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. It's kind of that motivation, that kind of fire. It's just filled with encouragement. Like keep going, keep working, keep grinding, fight the good fight. Like this video we just watched. This, this motivational, inspirational passage on the good fight. And so specifically, we key in on chapter 6 and verse 12, where he says very clearly, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And that is just what we're going to talk about today. So I'm John, and I'm just thrilled that you're with us today. I pray that through our time together, your heart grows stronger. Your faith grows deeper. So we are in a sermon series. This would be week three, I believe, called The Games. The Olympics are happening right now. Many of us are, are watching eagerly to see how those unfold. And it's really cool because there are so many biblical passages that use that same analogy, those same analogies of sports metaphors. And in this sermon series called The Games, we're being encouraged to faithfully run the race that God has set before us. And so the first two weeks, number one, we were challenged to run for the prize. 
And the second week, last week, we were challenged to run with perseverance. And today, we're learning how to fight the good fight. Now, to do a little bit of a dive into the original language, the Greek word that Paul uses here for fight means compete or struggle or strive with intensity and effort. And the reason I mention that, you're like, yeah, that kind of describes a fight, doesn't it? But the reason I mention that is because we're paralleling uh, maybe a judo match like this German girl fought or a boxing match with our walk of faith. And so you begin to realize that we're not going to gain the eternal prize in heaven that we talked about just last, you know, week one. We're we're not going to gain that by being haphazard disciples of Jesus. But no, we we are to contend, we are to compete, we are to to enter into the struggle. Let's say it this way. We're to be fully engaged in the battle. We should be ready to face our opponent. By the way, I've been wondering, if two vegans get in a fight... Like, is it still called a beef? Is it called a tofu? I I don't know. In his book, Fuzzy Memories, Jack Handy tells a story from his childhood. There was a bully in his school. He was much larger than Jack, and every day he demanded that he give him his lunch money. Then I decided to fight back, Handy writes. Then I decided to fight back. So what he did was decided to take karate lessons. So he starts training in martial arts because he's going to fight back to the the bully. He says, the instructor charged $5 a lesson. And I realized it was easier to just pay the bully. (laughs) Unfortunately, as funny as that is, unfortunately, too many people in the church take the same approach spiritually. Like, like, it's just easy, it's, it's easier to just pay the bully than it is to be prepared and equipped to fight spiritual battles. I want to get real serious real quick. We have a spiritual enemy who is out for our very souls. And by the word of God, we can be equipped and armed to fight the spiritual battle. Our enemy wants nothing more than to derail our faith, to derail our souls, our lives, our families. So 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us this, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, like a what? A roaring lion. There's hardly any more dangerous beast on the face of planet Earth. And that's the description that the Bible uses for our enemy. King of the beasts. You don't want to mess with it. You don't want to antagonize it. You you don't want to face it ill-equipped and unprepared. And that's what the scriptures tell us our spiritual battle is like a roaring lion prowling around looking for someone to devour. He's the one picking the fights. He's the one who can cause damage. Like, like the words of our Lord Jesus, he says he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. 
So if we look at an earlier passage in the book of 1 Timothy, it's in chapter 1 and verse 18, here's what Paul says to the young pastor. He says, I'm giving you this command so that you may fight the battle well. And actually, he then goes on to talk about people who have shipwrecked the faith. He names a few people by name. They've abandoned the faith. They've rejected sound doctrine. And so, friends, today we are encouraged and we are challenged. And I pray that by the end of our time together, we are equipped and armed to face the battle. So here's the encouragement. Fight the good fight. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take a stand against the devil and his schemes. Today, in the beauty of our our gathering, where where Christ is exalted and and center stage, where where we are worshiping him and, and surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ in a loving environment, today, right now, here in this moment, is the time for us to take a stand. And to galvanize ourselves and our souls to say, not on our watch, not my family, not my marriage, not my church, not my community, not my soul, to be prepared for this spiritual battle. So here's the question. How do we do that? Well, fortunately, we have the word of God. (laughs) And the scriptures tell us how we do that. And that's where we're going to go in 1 Timothy chapter 6. How do we fight the good fight? How how do we battle against this evil one who is just bent on harm and destruction in our very souls? It begins like this. You got to know when to walk away. You got to know when to walk away. Here's the old proverbial adage, and that is choose your battles. So listen, you can't fight everyone. You can't fight everywhere. You can't fight all the time. You can't jump into every fight, every conflict, every battle that presents itself. This is part of being alert and being of sober mind. So like the weights we talked about just last Sunday, remember the the marathon runner and and you got to throw off all those weights and those things that are encumbering. You have to leave some things behind. You have to keep your focus right where it needs to be. And so turn with me in your Bibles, if you're not there yet, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's let's begin in verse 11. So, So Paul begins this passage, this portion, by saying, flee from all this. Now let's stop right there. To figure out what he's talking about, we have to look at the preceding verses, the the beginning of chapter 6, and I'll just summarize, but what he addresses there are really two things, false teaching and greed. Turns out there are Jewish leaders who are in this particular community, and they're just really concerned with keeping a lot of rules. They're the kind of people who nitpick, and they get into silly arguments, and they they fight about stuff. They, They just can't seem to stop bickering about things that are pointless, things that are really controversial. Instead of, so again, these were, these were leaders. So instead of being leaders in the local faith community who are pointing people toward Jesus, who are helping people grow deeper in their faith, what they're doing is they're actually causing people to lose their faith and to walk away from Christ. What they do is they do uh, these deep dives into these trivial canals. They bicker, they argue, 
they have their law, of course, but then they have their written interpretations of the law. And then they have their lineage of lawmakers who are doing the interpretation. Are you a purebred? What's your pedigree? And when you hold your hands for the ceremonial washing, do you hold them in this particular way? So these are the kinds of arguments that they're fighting about and they're picking the wrong battles. In fact, we read very clearly in Titus chapter 3 and verse 9, avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. So to fight the good fight, we've got to learn to walk away, to leave it alone, to rightly discern what the good fight is. So if, we, if we're to engage in the good fight, then what that means is we can't be distracted by and preoccupied with the trivial, the controversial, the things that we shouldn't be getting involved with. Too many believers are caught up in the wrong battles. And I'm even talking right here, right now, 21st century North America. So let me just speak to it. (laughs) The good fight is not a political fight. It is not a political fight. Jesus' kingdom is not affiliated with any partisan political group. And it's okay to, to hold... And to to maintain an affiliation and an ideology and what you think is is maybe the, the correct policy. But the problem is that we get so worked up about our particular political affiliation that we break relationship. That that we're unable to see that God's kingdom is way bigger than any particular ideology. It's not the good fight. Nor is the good fight a physical fight. <laughs> Paul tells us this real clearly. Like, like our battle is not against flesh and blood. So the enemy, it's not that person who disagrees with you. It's not that coworker. It's not your boss. It's not that teacher or that parent or your ex. The enemy is not a particular group. It's not a political group. It's not an ethnic group. It's not a military group. The enemy is not atheists or agnostics or or public figures. So so when I say too many believers are caught up in the wrong battles, what, what I mean is we get caught up arguing, fighting, dividing ourselves over secondary issues. Issues that are are not of primary importance, but secondary issues. So let me just say, there are a lot of things that we can disagree on. And I'm even talking about within the church here. Like, 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 as brothers and sisters in Christ, there are a lot of things that you and I can disagree on. Those are secondary issues. They're not worth fighting over. Vaccinations. Some of you just squirmed in your seat. Like, never have I commanded the attention of MCA as much as I did with a single word. So let me speak to it. If you want to get vaccinated, 
Do it. You've done your research. You're making the best decision for you. If you don't want to be vaccinated, don't do it. You've done your research. You are making the best decision for you. And I'm sincere. So, so listen, this is not a biblical issue. God is not on one side or the other side. This is not something to divide us. And, and here's the rebuke. Stop villainizing the people, the person who's in the other group. Make the right choice for you and accept your brother or sister who has made the right choice for them. So th this is what I'm getting at when, when, when we look at the scriptures and talk about the good fight. It's like, man, we got bigger fish to fry. Man, we got, a, we got an enemy who just sits back and enjoys it when we bicker and argue and fight about these kind of things. Because he's coming after our souls and our families and our marriages. He wants to destroy us. He comes to steal and kill and destroy we are in a war against Satan. This is a spiritual battle. It's not a physical one. And let me say this too, on, on the good fight and the, the spiritual battle, it's each and every day. And you know where it begins? Right here. Right inside of me, right inside of you. When we traverses, the arguments, the, the things that divide us, they are unprofitable. They are useless. But where the Lord calls us to actually fight the good fight, get in on the action. So we need to learn to walk away, firstly. He says, flee from these things. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 11. Flee from these things. Learn to walk away. Secondly, get in on the action. Don't back down. Don't shy away. Don't assume someone else is going to step up. This is something we too often do. Could it be? It's not someone else. It's you. You lead the prayer. You help up that woman that just fell down. You adopt that child. Step up. Enter into the good fight. You be the one to open your mouth and to speak of God's goodness. To share Jesus in a setting that's very dark. You be the one to do it. So after telling this young pastor, Timothy, flee from these pointless and trivial battles, Paul says that the, the second part of verse 11, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. He says then, fight the good fight of the faith. We heard this already. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So here's the good fight. We have six specific things that he lists. He says, don't chase after those silly things, those foolish things, those trivial things, those secondary issues. Here's what you need to go after. Here's the good fight. Righteousness. Righteousness. Don't worry about the, the legalism, the rule following. And for some of us, that, that is probably the best description of our church background is legalism. Rule following, looking right on the outside. He says, that's not what you're to pursue, but righteousness. 
right thinking and right actions that bring about what God wants. That's a good description of righteousness. Secondly, godliness. You see, as we seek the heart of God, as we pursue him, that's the word used here in the NIV, he transforms us. He, he changes us so that we actually take on the Im- more fully the image of his son, Jesus Christ. We carry his name when we say we're Christians. So we begin to look like Jesus and sound like Jesus and think like Jesus and act like Jesus and have the very same attitude of our Lord Jesus Christ. What else is the good fight? What else are we to pursue? It's righteousness. It's godliness. Third, faith. You know what the scriptures say in the book of Hebrews? It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. That means you could do all the right activities. That means you could zip your lip and not say the cuss words. But without faith, without trusting him, it's impossible to please him. Another one here, love. It's the calling card of Jesus followers. The, the scriptures tell us that without love, we are nothing. We are nothing without love. We're like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. The fifth one he mentions here is endurance. Remember, if you were here just one week ago, that's what we talked about. Perseverance, like press on, persevere. If you want to get the crown, keep Going and then a final one here gentleness. Wait a minute. Aren't we talking about fighting the good fight? How do you fight with gentleness? That seems like a complete and total paradox. It's just absurd. Excuse me, might I strike you on the cheek with my fist? Oh, no, 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 no. Please let me strike you. Like, like, this doesn't make sense to us when we're talking about fighting and he says we're to do it. Here's the good fight. It's gentleness. Well, it's the upside-down kingdom. This is the kingdom of God where the humble are exalted, where the proud are brought low, where the greatest is the servant of all, where King Jesus washes feet. And remains silent before his accusers. And humbles himself and becomes obedient to death. Even death on a cross. So yes, we fight the good fight with gentleness. We don't have to always elevate ourselves. Like there was a guy who was bragging that he was the second best boxer in his country. Second best boxer in my country. He said he had fought in over a hundred fights said, yep, second best boxer in my country. I came in second every time. So, so getting in on the action, it, it doesn't mean that you steamroll every person in your path. That's not at all what the scriptures tell us to do here. When it's get in on the action, fight the good fight, do your part. It doesn't mean just steamrolling everyone in your path. Instead, with grace and tact, even with gentleness... We learn, and we grow, and as God gives us opportunity, we invite others into his kingdom and into a life with Jesus. So then we also saw there in verse 12 where where Paul says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. How do you do that? How do you you take hold of eternal life? It kind of sounds like our destiny is in our own hands. No, of course not. 
but I think it was John Piper that put it this way. We, we cling with feeble fingers to the ledge of God's great grace. We take hold of that which God has put before us. Really, the scriptures would say that, that Jesus has taken hold of us. And we know that Jesus will never let us go. So Philippians 3.12, not that I've already obtained this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Wow. What a great image. We're able to take hold of our eternal salvation only because we're in the palm of his hand. We're held by him. Okay, I got one final encouragement from this passage. First Timothy 6, we're talking about how do we fight the good fight? So we've talked about knowing when to walk away. We've talked about when it's time to get in on the action. And he gives us six things there. Here's what we're to pursue. Finally, to fight the good fight, we must see it through. Got to see it through to the end. Can't stop halfway. Can't quit when you get tired. You can't say, you know, I've served Jesus for decades. And now I think I'm getting tired of this. And I'm going to stop. You see it through. Was it last week we saw that awesome video of the Tanzanian marathon runner? Do you remember that? He goes, my country didn't send me 5,000 miles to start this race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish this race. We've got to stay in it. We've got to see it through. We've got to, to stay in the ring for 12 rounds. And Paul says to Timothy there in verse 14, to keep this command. Keep this command without spot or blame. When? Until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. The final bell. We've got to see it through. Finish the fight. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. And I know sometimes we get weary. The enemy has indeed, for each and every one of us, landed a few blows, knocked us down. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. When Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus on the third day resurrected by the power of God, he dealt the ultimate blow to our enemy. He defeated him. He has power over sin and death. So Hebrews 2.14 tells us, by his death, talking about Jesus, he destroyed him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. Christ, at his weakest, was more powerful than Satan at his strongest. And so it's because of Jesus, my friends, that you and I also have power over Satan. Every time we gather in worship, Every time we study his word, every time we pray, every time we seek his heart, every time we confess sins, every time we gather with him at center stage, or, or when we stand strong in the face of temptation, or when we share the truth of Jesus with a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, a child, a relative, every time one of us says, I'm going to choose Jesus today as my Lord and Savior. And we're welcomed into God's forever family. We're, we become a son. We become a daughter of the living God. We're part of God's family. We, in all of those things, we are defeating our enemy. 
We're standing strong against his schemes. We, as the scriptures say, are more than conquerors through Christ. And so it's not in our own strength. I want to be clear on this. It's not in our own strength that we defeat sin. No, it is only through the power of Christ. So before we close this morning, I want to offer two very practical action steps. You know, I feel like as we've talked about the good fight this morning, it's been in some ways poetic and allegorical. You know, like learn to walk away, get in the fight, see it through. Okay, yeah, all right, that was, that's all nice, that's all good. But I don't want anyone to leave here today without some very practical action steps to take today, tomorrow, and this week. I, I don't want anyone to be unsure of, I heard a sermon on the good fight Oh, how do you do that? I'm not really sure. <laughs> so, so I want to issue two very practical action steps for us. One of the greatest things we can do in this spiritual battle is to express gratitude. Express gratitude. To praise God. To thank God in the good times, in the bad times, in the hard times, in the busy times, in the lonely times. We proclaim his goodness. We remind ourselves. We remind one another of God's faithfulness. You, did you know that in the Old Testament, when the armies of Israel marched into battle, who was in the front? Who was it? Trumpets? That, that, that was the, the front of the army. They're entering into battle. They've got their singers and their musicians and their worship leaders. They don't have weapons. They're not warriors. And they went first into battle. And you go, that's not a very good... I'm not, I'm not really a military strategist, but hold on. That's not a very good military tactic. We all think that. We go, how, how does that make any sense? And, and, and we know something of history of ancient peoples, and there weren't other groups who were doing that. It's because that was their priority. It's because they wanted to proclaim to themselves, to one another, and even to their enemy, our God is mighty. Our God has been faithful. Our God is good. We are grateful to God for his mighty hand. He has delivered us. You know, so many of the songs they sang in the Old Testament, they're talking about the deliverance that God has brought. Their worship leaders led them into battle. They went ahead of them because that was their priority. Or even in the New Testament, you think about it, uh, the, the people that were like demon-possessed, and they just couldn't stand to hear Jesus exalted as Messiah, as the Christ, as the Savior, as the Redeemer. They couldn't stand to be near that. So listen, we drive out our enemy with praise, with gratitude, by thanking God, by exalting his name above every other name. So this is a very practical action step for us today as we talk about fighting the good fight. Are you thankful? Are you grateful? Do you proclaim God's goodness? Do you sing songs to God? Do you share with others what he's done in your life? You know, each and every Sunday, we have an opportunity right here let me just take this opportunity to invite you when we gather, when our worship team leads us before God's throne of grace to join in, 
to raise your voice, singing, shouting, proclaiming, and you say, well, I don't really like the music, or, well, I'm not a very good singer. The scriptures tell us, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Sing to him, clap your hands, lift up, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer. Let me just invite you, as we gather week in and week out, and we specifically make time, that's not just filler time. That's not just so you've got 20 minutes to have a conversation and get your cup of coffee in the foyer. That is like the armies of Israel worship team leading them into battle. We come against the principalities of darkness when we raise our voices in gratitude to the Almighty God. And I'm not saying just on Sundays. Do that seven days a week. But we have an opportunity each and every week to gather corporately to raise our voices together. That's the good fight. That's the good fight. Don't sit on the sidelines and miss it. Aren't you thankful that Christ paid a debt that you could never pay? Aren't you thankful for his lavish love, for his unmerited favor in your life? Express it. Express your gratitude. Okay, second action step before we close. This battle cannot be fought without God's word. We must arm ourselves with the word of God. So in Ephesians 6, Paul tells us about the armor of God. And these are beautiful pieces of defensive equipment so that when the enemy comes against us, we're protected. We've got a defense against the enemy, but there's one piece. There's just one piece of the armor of God that is used on the attack. He says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's the one piece of the armor of God that's used on the attack. Because God's word rightly divides right and wrong. It is the standard. The word of God, my friends, is the standard. It's the authority. It guides us. It leads us. It doesn't lead to confusion, but it brings clarity. And in it, we have the words of life. And in it, we have the gospel message. And the gospel message isn't, by the way, it isn't just, well, God loves you. And the gospel message isn't just uh, ask Jesus into your heart and you get to go to heaven. No, the gospel message in its fullness is this good news. That's what gospel means, by the way, good news. That although each and every one of us has sinned and done wrong and separated ourselves from a holy and loving God and our eternal destiny is in agony and separated from God in hell, he has seen fit that through his son, through his shed blood on the cross of Calvary, we can be atoned for. And some of the New Testament language is this. You've been redeemed. That means you've been bought. You've been purchased. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. You belong to the Lord because of Jesus. So this is the good news. These are the words of life. We will not have success in our spiritual battles unless we are armed with the word of God. Words of life. Good news, the gospel. Guiding our way. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. In the word of God, we have the heart of God revealed. 
So we know that he is compassionate and gracious, that he is slow to anger and abounding in love. So as Paul writes here in 1 Timothy 6, and as he says in Ephesians 6, when he's talking about the armor of God, take it up. Open it up. Read it. Sing it. Proclaim it. Put it on the walls of your home. Teach it to your children. Is the Bible the ultimate authority in your life? What role do the scriptures play? Don't just depend on someone else to teach you. Open it up. Study it. Ask the Holy Spirit to be your teacher and your guide. We know from Matthew 4, Jesus was tempted himself. He came face to face in the spiritual battle with the enemy. He'd been fasting for 40 days. He was hungry. He hadn't had interaction with others. He was lonely. Probably didn't sleep too well. It was not great conditions. He was tired. And what did he do to combat the enemy time and time and time again? The scriptures. That was his weapon. We must arm ourselves with the word of God if we are to be successful in the good fight. So let's cling to the truth of Christ. Let's choose the right battles. Let's proclaim the gospel to ourselves, to one another, and to the unbelieving world. Let's be grateful. And let's arm ourselves with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, ready to persevere, ready for the good fight. Let's pray. Lord, we open ourselves to you this morning. That it is by your loving hand of instruction. It is by your sustaining guidance in our lives that we will have victory. Not our ingenuity, not our competency, but Lord, in our frailty, we come to you asking for your help. And today, oh God, we rise up to say, equip us for the spiritual battle. That we would indeed be alert and be of sober mind and be aware of our enemy who is prowling around like a lion. So God, thank you that it's in Christ that we do have the victory and we have power over sin and death. So we do indeed cling with feeble fingers to the ledge of God's great grace with grateful hearts for who you are and for what you've done. Lord, would you accomplish all of these things for your sake, for your glory and honor. And we, your humble servants, will proclaim your goodness over and over again. We pray these things all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.